Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Dallas Stars edition. And this time I am joined by Taylor Baird, who is the managing editor of Defending Big D, which is the SB Nation blog devoted to the Dallas Stars, if you might have guessed. Taylor, how are you doing? Great. How are you? Good. Thank you for coming and joining us on this little pregame chat. Yeah, thanks Um, for having me. So just to get right into things, I kind of wanted to start with... um, pretty much the biggest story surrounding the Dallas Stars recently. And that was uh, the billionaire owner of the team kind of going off on um, specifically Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan um, kind of out of nowhere. See, I mean, at least from the outside, it seemed like it was out of nowhere. Um, Give me an idea of how like your personal reaction and how the fan base overall reacted to that. So, Funny story. Um, I was sitting in a hospital um, waiting room. A friend of mine broke his elbow and had to have it all replaced. Oh, no. Like four or five pieces. Um, And I'm sitting there with his girlfriend and we're talking and all of a sudden my phone starts to blow up and I'm like, what is going on? And so I open the link and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) And, And I think that pretty much sums up almost everybody's reaction to this uh, story. Um, You know, I think the issue is not that Ben and Sagan have been the problem. Um, They are a problem, sure, because, you know, Sagan was hitting a bunch of posts. 2019 has been very glorious to him, and we would (laughs) like that to continue. Um, But, like, he was always always shooting, and we knew that, like, eventually, you know, the luck's going to turn around. You're not going to shoot at your career low percentage forever. That's just not statistically not going to happen for him. Um, Jamie Ben is a little bit of a different story. Um, I think that if you read between the lines, you can kind of get to understand that there's been kind of a an issue with Ben's performance overall for the past year or so. Um, Sorry, that was my cat. Cats are so great. They just love to be the center of attention. And when they're At not, all. they're just like, what about me? Um, but yeah, so Jamie Ben, very opposite of that, not wants to he does not want to be the center of attention but um kind of is as the as the captain of the team and you know the last couple of years I think Scott Burnside well, he worked for the team last year and then over the summer he wrote something that basically said Jamie Ben needs to be better and then all of a sudden all of these things start to come out about how Jamie Ben needs to be better and we're all sitting there going for real like I mean what else what more do you want the guy to do like he's yeah. one guy he can only do so much and he can only take the team so far because like you need a supporting cast around it and I think the biggest issue for me with what happened is not so much the message understand the message and understand that it's not meant just for those two um it was really more of a kind of come to Jesus moment for the whole team but it was the tone in which it was delivered that's definitely not professional and you expect more from somebody who's been in the league for this long um, and as a CEO of a company, you know, just you don't expect them to go off in quite that manner. Um, and then the other issue I take with it is it's completely ignoring 
everything that your own front office has done to put you in this position because do not come at me and say that this is the deepest team that you've ever put together. It may be the most expensive team you put together, but mm. that doesn't mean that they're the best. Right. Every team that is really bad and has terrible contracts will tell you that that does not equal those two things don't equate to each other. So I just the whole thing has been such a mess. Um, I think Ben and Sagan have handled it phenomenally. Um, ultimate pros. Um, I love Tyler Sagan going on the local radio station here and coming a little bit less PR, a little bit more candid, you know, basically mm-hmm. kind of saying we were pissed, as you should be. Yeah. Um, and I think the unfortunate side effect this has had is some people are going to say, oh, well, they need to be traded. And um, I think that everybody is kind of uh, being a little ridiculous if you think that Tyler Sagan is going to be traded after signing an eight-year contract extension here. But, you know, go ahead and keep dreaming. Well, I can tell you that the Flyers went ahead and signed Mike Richards and Jeff Carter for forever contracts and then right out the door. So <laughs> Yeah, but see, those were bad contracts the minute they were signed. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> Sagan's um, is not so much in that category. Yeah. It was, and if you like, trade him, where the hell are their goals coming from? Because that's not the rest of the roster. Yeah, that was that's what was like so odd to me is like, okay, like you might think that these two guys are underperforming. Like, okay, that might be a fair criticism. But if you look at the team, they're kind of two of the best players that you have. So it just seemed really odd to like so aggressively single them out with like you know, Odd is definitely it's all kinds of things. Yeah, it was just like it was so aggressive. It's like such a weird thing for an, an owner to do. You never see that. Not to mention you were coming off of a two nothing shutout of Nashville, one of the top teams in your division, and you're still were in a playoff spot. The Dallas Stars have been in a playoff spot, but the way they were talking, you would think that they were like ten points out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was all newsflash. They aren't. <laughs> so. You kind of answered my second question. You don't think they're going to be. You don't think they're going to be traded. Mm, I mean, not not this season. No. Yeah. See, (laughs) I I can't imagine. Even because I. I mean, I guess I would imagine that the owner isn't the one calling the day to day shots anyway. And I'm assuming that the general manager is not an idiot, so he probably wouldn't trade him. Jim Nill is very far from an idiot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about because um, earlier in the season when all of us at Broad Street Hockey were kind of kicking around our ideal replacements for Dave Haxtell before he was fired. Um, One of the guys that um, we, well, specifically Bill Matz from our podcast, brought up as a guy that he would like to see us bring in was Jim Montgomery, who played for the Flyers for like five seconds and obviously was doing really well in college. And then he went ahead and signed with you guys um, after you got rid of Ken Hitchcock. So I just want to know how you are finding him as a coach so far. You know, personally, I I like Montgomery. He's very straightforward. Um, He tells it like it is. He's not afraid to show emotion. Mm -hmm. Uh, After the team actually came back and and had an overtime win against Washington, he pretty much came out and said that was one of our worst games. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, and he's not going to praise that effort because Mm -hmm. that's just reinforcing the message of you can cheat and take shortcuts and you know when you get the results that's fine it's fine to do those things um you know and so I like that about him uh you know one thing I will say that he needs to do better as a coach is 
trying to understand what but buttons to push or what needs to be said or what whatever you need to do to prepare the team for better starts. Dallas has been a very bad first period hockey team. Second period has been excellent, which I think is a product of being able to see what the other team is doing and then adjust your game plan accordingly. Um, and Sean Shapiro at the athletic actually had an article today where he did an interview with Jason Dickinson, who's currently injured, sat down, you know, with ate dinner with him and watched the, uh, the team against Winnipeg on Sunday. And, you know, he, and Dickinson actually said, Montgomery's not afraid to go in, in the middle of, of a period and say, this isn't working, throw it out. Let's, let's try this. Um, and so I like that he's making those in-game adjustments and I think he actually does fairly well at them. Um, but I think it's kind of getting, getting the entire team on board with, with that mentality of like, okay, let's just pivot and, and making them comfortable with that, I think is kind of a learning curve. And I, and I believe that everyone expected a learning curve this season. Um, I think the fact that he's coached through 12, I counted them 12. Dallas Stars have had 12 defensemen play games this season and not just like a game. Wow. It's Issa Lindell and Miro Haskinen have been the only two that have played all 43 games so far this season. Then Roman Polak, Roman Polak, who wasn't even supposed to be in a top six role, who is now uh, played in 40 of 43. Um, Yes. Yep. That's the thing. Um, (laughs) John Klingberg missed half the season with a unfortunate uh, broken hand situation that he had surgery on. So he's only played in 25. So Mm. you've had Julius Honka, who's played in 26. You have had uh, Gavin, Gavin Bayreuther played in 19. Most people probably don't know his name. Um, you've got Joel Hanley, who's played in 16. Connor Carrick has played in 10. Taylor Fadoon, who, as everybody was like, oh, he's still a hockey player, has played in 20. 20 games for Dallas, not wow. including the one tonight. So 21. Go ahead and mark that one down on your on your sheet. And then Ben <laughs> Gleason uh, had four, and Dylan Hetherington had five. Oh, and who did I forget? Mark Mathot. He He's played a nine. He's missed mo- the majority of the season with a knee injury still. So, like, 12. He's coached his way through 12 defensemen. You're 12 on your depth chart. That's not what most teams do and can say, hey, we're still a playoff team. Yeah. So I think a lot of credit goes to him for being able to do that, personally. Well, I mean, that seems pretty impressive. And I actually didn't realize that the situation with your defenseman was so – ridiculous this season it's almost as bad as our goalie situation but not quite almost but we're not setting records and you guys are so yeah congratulations philly you guys did something we did something we did something the absolute best that it could be done which is a ridiculous goaltending situation (laughs) very very flyers um so you brought up the defense and that's kind of what i wanted to get to next and one of the reasons that i wanted to talk about these guys is that i personally feel like um I don't know if it's because you guys are in the central with the Preds and they have such a stacked defense or it's that, you know, Dallas doesn't make as much noise as some other teams out West do every year. Um, but you guys have two of the best offensive defensemen in the league. In yes, we Lundberg do. And, and no, you can't have them. No, we can't. I know we can't have them. Um, but they're like super good. And I feel like as someone outside of the Dallas Stars bubble, I don't hear a ton about them. Um, generally, which I think is weird because they're so good. Um, out of curiosity, who would you say is the better of the two? Who has more upside? 
Well, I think from an upside perspective, you probably have to give that to Haskinen, if only because he's only 19 years old. So mm-hmm. I think from an age yeah. perspective, you know, he's just he's got more more time to give you more. Um, Klingberg's kind of a known commodity, I feel like at this point, but an underrated commodity at yeah. the same time. I think you know if Dallas were making the playoffs perennially, John Klingberg would not be a a like who is that or a oh what's the star course Norris candidate yes he was a Norris candidate last mm-hmm. season and probably should have won um you know like if if Dallas were a little bit more relevant on an on ice perspective I don't think that there would be any question that you know every Canadian team when they came to town would be like so so Jim doesn't matter which one you can pick one <laughs> of the three gyms we have so Jim what would it take uh right. to get Klingberg out of your hands I mean he's on probably one of the best valued contracts in the league he makes 4.25 million or something ridiculous That's crazy against the cap because he signed an eight eight or seven year seven or eight year long-term contract um just after his first season and Jim Nill looks like a complete freaking genius yeah. for signing him to that at that cap hit now granted when hit that contract is up we're probably gonna have to pay him a crap ton of money but you know I will take seven years of undervalued Klingberg for a few years of overpayment on the back end any day of the week um Haskinen at this you know on the other hand I think most people would be surprised if you watched him and you would be surprised to know that he's only 19 he looks like an everyday pro he has fit in seamlessly and um, you know, it's kind of funny. I actually just looked this up because I was kind of curious to see where Dallas had ranked. So we were talking about defense. We played 12 of them. Dallas has the fifth best goals against average in the league right now. Fifth best. Huh. A lot of that is because of one young Miro. <laughs> and um, I have an excellent t-shirt. I will tweet it to you guys. Um, it's called I Need a Miro. If you have ever seen the... Movie scene from Footloose, and yeah. if you haven't, you're way too young, and please stop listening right now. Um, <laughs> if you've ever seen Footloose and the chicken, the chicken scene where they're doing it with the two tractors, yeah. So basically, him, Miro, in there, and then they play the song "I Need a Miro," or "I Need a Hero" after he scores at home, and so it's fantastic, and oh, we love fun. our we love our little 19 year old, and no, you can't have him. And I think it's really hilarious that. Tyler Sagan has actually said that he kind of wants to hide hide Haskinen away here in <laughs> Dallas for a few years mm. so people don't realize how good he is. Um, but him getting voted into the All-Star game at 19, yeah, me put a little kibosh on that. But he's fantastic. He's been playing big minutes on the penalty kill, which Dallas ranks 8th in, so top 10 in, in penalty killing. So he's been a big part of that. Um, and honestly, I don't know how you can't look at what he's been doing offensively as well as on the other side of the puck and say that he is not the most complete, best, young defenseman and therefore should be your Calder Trophy candidate, FYI, media listener. <laughs> Watch more Dallas games. You'll know what we mean. Yeah. I. It's kind of annoying that the Calder Trophy is just the rookie that scores the most goals. Like, no one ever looks at anything else. Unless yeah, there's a goaltender that's like lights out, but that never happens either. It's the best at your position. That's and what, yeah. I mean, okay, yeah, Rasmus Dahlin has what maybe like two more points 
than Haskinen, but uh, he also plays like a ridiculous amount of power play minutes, Mm -hmm. which Haskinen does not. And he plays none on the shorthanded. I don't know how you can look at that and say a 19-year-old coming in and making a PK unit, a top 10 unit, isn't somehow like magically being better. Like that means he's good at his job. I was good at the position. As a defenseman, that seems like the more valuable thing than, I mean, the scoring's good, obviously, but like if you're a defenseman, you also want to stop the goals. That seems like a good defenseman to do. Yeah. I'm not an expert, but that's just how my understanding of it has been. Um, So one of the things that I was thinking about, so every year when we do our season previews for the league, I feel like Dallas is one of those teams that were always like at the beginning of the season, okay. Dallas looks really good on paper. This could be the year that they do something. Um, and I also think of the Blues this way too, except for this year because they're garbage. But like in years past, kind of like a mm-hmm. team that on paper, you look at them before the season and you're like, okay, they're going to do something. And then they never really do. Um, so I was curious about what you might think this team needs to change or do differently or move out or bring in to get them over the hump finally that would put them in the Western Conference final. Dallas needs one top six center, not center, winger, my bad, Ooh. forward. Um, because we have I think, those. I think, by, I think by inserting that one guy in the lineup, you automatically shift everybody down one rung. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, would solve a lot of the personnel issues um, that the Stars have. Um, of course, you know, they've kind of hamstrung themselves a little bit on the cap. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, they'll have space to make any kind of deal they want by the time the trade deadline comes, but it's not going to come before then because they don't have the space for it. Um, I, I do think that by just getting that – like, right now, Dallas is a one – I don't want to say they're a one-line team because, I mean, they kind of are, but they kind of aren't because, hello, our defense has, like, ridiculous amounts of points. Hello, Klingberg and Haskin and Yale are awesome. Um and so they're they're kind of like a one-unit team, I guess is the better way to put it. And they lack some secondary scoring. But I think if you actually were to be able to create a second line mm. that consistently scored, the bottom six would actually be just fine. The problem is, is that Jason Spezza, love him. He's great, and he's an awesome person. But, you know, I think he may be a little bit to behind the times so to speak yeah he might be a little cooked i was kind of thinking might be a little cooked as a center i'm not saying he couldn't be a valuable winger Mm -hmm. in the top six but he's probably done giving you his best center years which every guy is going to hit that point in his career and it's unfortunate to have to come to that realization but you know dallas needs to figure out a second line if they're going to do anything in the playoffs and right now nobody is stepping up to give them that and so i think if you could get a second line, maybe a dude did mean center, maybe a second line center or a second line wing that you could put next to Spezza to take advantage of his IQ. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, is better at pulling the puck into the zone and is a little faster. Like maybe those two things could combine to create a good second line. Mm. So right now Dallas is like a first line and three third lines. Ah. So great. That's never a great thing. Although, I mean, honestly, like, moving Claude Giroux to wing has been a revelation. I do think that there is just a time that these guys do better without having to be beat up so much and have so much right. responsibility that they're, they're just able to 
they're just able to go out there and freelance a little bit more. And maybe exactly. I think that's where Spets is at. We'll see. So we could talk all day about the Dallas Stars deficiencies, but they're Correct. worlds better than the Flyers right now. <laughs> so I just want to know if you were coaching the Flyers uh, for this game and you were going to tell them how they could beat the Dallas Stars, what would you say are the weaknesses that they should exploit or things that they should take advantage of to win this game? Okay, so three things. I'll give you three. One, you got to get off to a good start. Dallas doesn't do that. So take advantage of the fact that they're a little bit um, disengaged, we'll say, in the first period. So jump on them and jump on them early. Two, you actually do need to kind of take Radulov, Ben, and Sagan off the board. Um, Good luck doing all that with three of them on the ice at the same time. But if you can do that, you're probably going to win the game. Um, because Dallas doesn't have much secondary scoring, as we've mentioned. And then I think the third thing is, is like whether that second period, Dallas has been a fantastic second period team and they've managed to kind of pour it on them, but it seems like they kind of expend all their energy, either digging themselves out of the hole that they put themselves in the first period or building a lead. And then in the third period, they don't have much to keep it. So Ben not break in the third in the second period and you're probably gonna win. Okay. I mean, theoretically that seems doable for the Flyers, but you know. Sure. It all seems theoretically theoretically possible. Yeah, theoretically they should not be like a bottom two team in the league, but you know, in reality. That's what happens when you have seven goaltenders starting for you in the in a season. It's not great. Actually, Mike McKenna is getting his first start as we are speaking. And I am super psyched for this to be finished and see how that's going so far. Because uh, I love Mike McKenna. Just I... FYI, he's a great person. He's super awesome to talk to and like totally so low key and like just very personable. If you ever yeah. get a chance, highly recommend speaking with him. So we picked him off of waivers. I had like five minutes of what we do that for. We have all of the goaltenders already. And then I read like. And then all the news came out. Yeah, I read like three things about Mike McKenna. And now I'm like literally buying Mike McKenna jerseys. Like I'm obsessed with him. Can we keep him? (laughs) Amazing. I know. I just want him to do so well. Like I know that he's probably not going to, but I really, really want him to. (laughs) You know, I think he'll be, I think he might surprise you. I think he did all right when he was in Dallas last year. Mm -hmm. He, He had a couple of games here in Dallas um, where he was a backup maybe started i don't remember they all start to bleed into one of course um <laughs> but um i will say as a leader down and in, in cedar park for the ahl texas stars last season taking them to the western conference final i think it's going to have a huge impact on some of the guys that have come up uh like jason dickinson who's you know unfortunately out right now due to injury but you know hoping to come back soon um and then a couple of the like group a hints who's up now and Denny Garyanov, those guys um, who are seeing time in the NHL this season with Dallas. I think, you know, his leadership and his stewardship of that team will have a big impact for for the Stars. So, like, yeah. yes, Mike McKenna, please do well. But if you start against Dallas, maybe don't do great. Not so well. I mean, I've, it's my understanding well, that he's like, he's, like, a super funny guy and, like, super lighthearted and fun. And I cannot think of anything that the Flyers need more right now in that locker room is, like, yeah. a little bit of smiling because they're all, like, the most miserable human beings you could imagine. <laughs> no one <laughs> in Philadelphia right now. It's not great. Um, okay. Losing tends to do that, though, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, I ask everyone this question because I like it, but I'm wondering if you could tell me a player that Flyers fans might not know about who flies a bit under the radar, who you think might make an impact on the game. <laughs> I mean, I could probably pick anybody past the five that we've kind of talked about and y'all are probably un. I'm probably not going to know him. Um, so I think I'll go with uh, Radic Foxa. Uh, okay. He is Dallas's best two-way forward. Um, he does a lot of good work in the defensive zone, but has really started to kind of challenge himself and try to pitch in offensively lately. So he's the guy that last season was kind of a low-key Selkie award uh like dark horse so mm-hmm. he's definitely one to keep out on in terms of shutting down your your team's top team top line so okay. definitely watch him he's number 12 on the ice he's very large our very large check son <laughs> okay so you can't miss big number 12 um cannot who is your favorite flyer to watch at the moment gritty that is without a doubt literally the best answer i've gotten all season it's gotta be i mean he's like gritty he's like best. funny and kind of hilarious and to a point where it's oh hey hello lights went off on me at the office um so like he's funny and he's hilarious and his bits sometimes border on this slightly inappropriate but you know i think i I love it i think it's kind of injected a little bit of fun into the flyers team which honestly if they didn't have that like i'm not sure how many people would even pay attention to the franchise this season, given how bad it's gone, unfortunately, for you guys. So, yeah, you know, I think, it's, I think it's good in, in, in terms of keeping you guys relevant mm-hmm. um, in general. Um, and also, I mean, who doesn't love good mascot humor? Yeah, they somehow found a really good way to, like, straddle the line between, like, fun for kids and also hilarious to adults, which I didn't think they would be able to do, but somehow they've done it, which is pretty cool. Uh Uh-oh, I think we might have lost Taylor. Well, the only other question that I had for Taylor was, of course, the game prediction. And since we may have lost her... Oh, there you go. Oh, hey, sorry. That's okay. I apparently moved the wrong position and my internet went away. (laughs) I was just saying that the only thing I had left for you was a game prediction. Oh, uh, I'm going to say given Dallas's recent road struggles, it's probably going to be like a 2-1 loss gonna be great we're all gonna enjoy watching a 2-1 loss oh maybe in overtime how about we say that a 2-1 loss in overtime overtime to the flyers yes (laughs) okay you laugh but dallas lost like six to one against chicago i mean okay come on okay it's possible (laughs) um it's always hard for me to guess what we're going to do when i'm doing these when we're actually playing a game so (laughs) I mean, solid chance they're getting demolished by the Capitals right now. Um, mm. So I am going to say, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be optimistic for one time, oh. and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say four two Flyers. Four two, the courtesy four, of an empty net. Yeah, the four is an empty netter. Mm-hmm. All right, that's fair. Yeah, that's I fair. think maybe. I will say this. I will say this in Dallas's defense. The 5-1 loss that they took to Winnipeg on the road on Sunday apparently did not reflect the manner in which they had actually played that game. So I think they had one of those 
we deserved better kind of games. And ah. so, uh, depending on what they do tonight against St. Louis, you know, they may be looking for some big revenge by that point. But, you know, I, I also know that the team has really struggled on the road. Uh, at home, they're one of the best teams, but mm-hmm. on the road, they can't seem to figure it the fuck out. So, hmm. I don't know. Maybe an opportunity then for the Flyers to turn it around. I say this a lot. This is a good opportunity <laughs> for the Flyers to turn it around. And they never really do. Any day now, they're yeah. going to do it. <laughs> we're, uh, yeah, we're just, we're hanging in here at Broad Street Hockey, doing the best we can. <laughs> um, okay, so that's all I have, I think, Taylor. Awesome. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me on. And, uh, you know, no offense, but uh, go Stars. Yeah, that's fair. Once again, this was Taylor Baird from Defending Big D. If you want to learn a little bit about the Dallas Stars ahead of this game, go ahead and check them out. They do good work over there, just like everybody at SB Nation. Um, yeah, so we'll see how this goes. It could, could at this point, I don't know. It's all a toss-up for the Flyers, so. You still have Gritty. We still have Gritty. No one can take that from us, Taylor. We'll have Gritty. Exactly. <laughs> all right, thank you again, Taylor, for doing this. Yeah, Let's thanks for having me. Flyers. I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the scheme and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Baseball. Truly, it is awful. I'm Phillies writer Justin Clue. Join me every week, along with John Stolnes, Liz Rocher, and Dr. Trevor Strunk, as we discuss all the ways the Phillies have hurt us on our podcast, Hidden Season, as well as historical anecdotes and raw, emotional ramblings on our other shows, Continued Success and The Dirty Inning. Subscribe to The Good Fight, and you'll get conversations with insiders, analysis of breaking news, and stats, stats, stats. Together, we'll survive whatever baseball can throw at us. 